0: It's Toronto's Podcast, on the Canada's Podcast Network.
1: Hi there, I'm Phil Bliss. And I'm a business visionary and also founder of the Canada's podcast network and a host of Toronto's podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Mallory McEwen, who founded and currently serves as president and CEO of Bridesmaids.ca, an e commerce business focused on improving the bridesmaid dress shopping experience. Bridesmaid was born as an idea early in 2016 and has now serviced over 1,000 bridesmaids Canada-wide, and employs a team of 10 people. Before diving into entrepreneurship, Mallory completed both a BBA and an MBA degree at Laurier, and had worked in sales and corporate finance. Welcome, Mallory. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself. You know, where you're from, give us the details on your current business, just two to four-minute overview of who is Mallory McEwen.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So um, I grew up in a small town in Ontario here, uh, the small town of Prescott out towards Ottawa. I found myself really intrigued by marketing in high school and uh, headed to do an undergrad in marketing at Laurier. And I really thought that marketing may take me down an entrepreneurial path. As I was doing that, I was buying and selling horses because that was my passion, but horses are very expensive. So I had to uh, pay my way through school while still being able to ride somehow. So the marketing degree and the marketing experience really helped me with that kind of entrepreneurial activity that I had from a pretty young age before turning it into a real, real business. Um, From there, I kind of graduated from undergrad, uh, went out, got a job in marketing as a marketing coordinator, um, but found that it wasn't really the right fit for me. I thought maybe I was more quantitative than I originally realized I was, and that led me to go back to school, uh, get an MBA, where I focused both in accounting and finance, and then... From there, moved downtown Toronto, uh, got a job in corporate finance, and did that for a while. Um, But then I really kind of went back to wanting to be an entrepreneur. So reading books about entrepreneurship and watching Dragon's Den and things like that, I knew that to kind of fulfill my dream of being an entrepreneur or starting something, I would need to find a market need or a problem to solve. And that really that led me, it, it took a while, but that led me to finding the problem that bridesmaids face when shopping or even just being asked to be a bridesmaid, which is the cost um, and the fact that it can be prohibitive when you're young mm-hmm. to be in a wedding party. So bridesmaid.ca is a business that I really built around that market need.
1: Uh, that's great. Was there any kind of particular, you know, was it, was it what I term a stop moment that said, I got to stop doing this?
2: Yeah, you know, I can tell you exactly, exactly that. It was, so I was working in corporate finance. I always, every job I've ever had, I always loved in the beginning while I was still learning. As I was working, I found myself finding it harder and harder to get up in the morning. At first I solved that problem by no longer using my phone alarm clock and I got one of those Philips light up alarm clocks to light up the room because I was like, well, maybe I'm just having a hard time waking up in the morning because my room's dark or something like that. So um, as much as that light up alarm clock is really cool and I still use it, that didn't really change things. And I found I just, I wasn't jumping out of bed in the morning anymore. I was kind of dragging my feet, Uh, dreading my commute, going to work to do kind of the same stuff that I'd done before. And that made me realize that when I used to jump out of bed every day, it was when I was learning every day. And the best way to set myself up in a career where I'm going to be learning every day is to start something and become an entrepreneur.
1: That's great. That's, That's really interesting. You started to research, but obviously, you know, thinking about or deciding you want to become an entrepreneur and actually you know, making it happen are two different things. How long, long did you think about it? I mean, you talked a little bit about that in your opening, but, but I mean, how long did it take to get things started?
2: Yeah, so, so it, took, it took quite a while, but I'm going to say less time than I anticipated. I, I mean, the first thing is coming up with what you're going to do as an entrepreneur. Um, hmm. Deciding that you would like to be an entrepreneur is one thing, but you need to know what venture you're going to pursue or what market need you're going to fill. And for me, that took me the longest because I'm not not necessarily super, super creative. I'm not someone that just has a book of 50 different ideas I could execute on. Um, So I was very systematic in doing that. And it took me a few months where I kept a journal each morning after my commute to work. I just took kind of five minutes to write down three things that I'd thought about on my commute to work that could be a market need that maybe a business could spin out of. And I did that for a few months. Um, so, so it took a while and often it was kind of like banging my head off the wall as I was trying to write things into this journal. Uh, some days I thought, man, like maybe I'm never gonna come up with anything. Um, but after a couple months, I started to, to put some good market needs together and that's where, where this was born. But, but from there, I mean, it's not like I said, okay, now the market need is that bridesmaid dress shopping needs to change and I have a business. I really had to figure out how a business was yeah. going to address that and interview potential customers yeah. and yeah. test I was going to
1: say, so how did you focus on that? I mean, so you've, you've done your stuff and you've done your thing and that's fantastic and you've got this bridesmaid new approach. You know, how did sort of you get that focus you know, to decide, you know, it's going to be an online business, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. How did you do that?
2: Yeah, so I really followed the methodologies of the book, The Lean Startup. Um, What I did initially was I interviewed tons and tons of people, and I did an online survey as well, to figure out what it was that they complained about or had a hard time with when it came to being a bridesmaid, so I could know exactly what problems we were really going to zero in on as a business. From those initial interviews and surveys, I learned, okay, the dress is the focal point. The bridesmaid dress, that's where my business is going to focus. It needs to kind of be brought up to be more focused on millennials. The shopping experience needs some help. But how can we actually do that? And that's when I started doing more in-depth interviews with brides-to-be. Um, I was living in City Place, Toronto, so I had like 40,000 young adults living really close to me. <laughs> which was really convenient.
1: That's great, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I actually, I just posted in the City Place Facebook group today, or not today, sorry, one day, yeah. and uh, said like, hey, if anyone's getting married in the next, whatever, like in a short time, if you're engaged in getting married um, and are willing to chat, I'll buy your coffee at Starbucks. And met with a bunch of people that way. That shaped my business. And, and in those meetings, I started to ask people. So I started to come down to, to the thought that the venture was going to be renting bridesmaid dresses through an mm-hmm. online platform. Mm-hmm. Then I just started to ask people kind of the flip side questions. Like, okay, you think this sounds great, but why wouldn't you do it? Or what would scare you away? Yeah, or yeah. things like that. So I could kind of find holes in the business before mm-hmm. any money was poured into yeah. it.
1: So you, you've, you've got something happening, you're getting a good response. How did you finance it? Was it just sort of from savings or you know, how, how did you get going on it?
2: In the very beginning, I, well, okay, I knew this was going to be a very capital intense business because mm-hmm. to actually launch the rentals, we needed to have inventory. So a whole bunch of dress assets, as you will. So I knew that I needed to prove something before I would ever be able to come up with the funding to get that inventory. Um, So what I did was I launched, I mean, what we as entrepreneurs call an MVP, Mm -hmm. which was just a a very basic website with a stock photo, like some stock photos that I bought, and a button that they could click, like, I want to rent my bridesmaid dresses. And then they would fill in a form about how many dresses or how many bridesmaids they have, what colors they're interested in. Uh, They could attach a photo of styles that they like that they found elsewhere. So that let me capture a lot of data. And then I was ready to go, although I was very much pre-revenue, I then went and raised angel funding Mm -hmm. on the story of look how much traffic and real data I've been able to gather. So Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. once I have this funding to make inventory decisions, I'm not starting from scratch. I've got a bunch of data to make these decisions right now. And I've got weddings already chomping at the bit for me to mm-hmm. service them. So angel funding, I guess is the answer. And I mean, we also had like some OCE funding and mm-hmm. AC Jumpstart is a program here in Waterloo, 30,000 through that, uh, like a loan from my grandfather in the very beginning. But uh, it was really, I had to really focus on how to, in a pre-revenue way, how to come up with real metrics to prove that this business has legs.
1: So, you know, you've got everything rolling, you've got some angel financing, but how long did it take from that point to having a viable business? Or maybe you're still building it, I'm not sure yet.
2: I mean, I think we still keep a very close ear to the ground to be sure that we definitely do solve this market need for customers. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say before we even even raised the funding, Mm -hmm. I knew that at least a business built around this market need being improving the bridesmaid dress shopping experience, I knew that that would be viable from all of the traction that I'd seen. Just to a website. So I think very early I knew that the nail was hit on the head in terms of identifying a problem to solve. But I'm going to say now we're in our second wedding season. Uh, We've serviced around 1,500 bridesmaids now. Um, we're, we're, We're doing quite well and we've done a lot of business now. But I think we still need to keep, and I think most companies still need to keep an ear to the ground to be sure that we're still addressing this problem in the right way. And that might change over time.
1: Sure. sure. But, yeah. So what does a typical day look like for you? You know, how do you maintain the kind of focus it needs to succeed? And I presume to have fun because I don't think any of us become entrepreneurs to have anything but fun along with the work.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, I'm going to say there's, I mean, pretty cliche start to this answer. I don't think there's really a typical day for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you've heard that before, but I I don't think there's a typical day for me because it really depends on what's pressing at that point Mm
0: -hmm. in time. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But for me, what I've found in leading a business is I've needed to be very much married to my project management and task management tool. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I do. I mean, before I go into every week, I look at the week ahead and map things out. And then as I go into every day, when I walk into the office in the morning, I make sure my task list is organized and then I just power through it like for the day. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's a matter of just, being very organized and diligent with what I want to accomplish like in a month and then in a week and then in a day and making sure I have them in paper because it's very easy. I find as a leader to, I guess like chase a shiny object or I mean, if my staff now are asking for support, I need to determine, you know, where to slide that into the other things that I I need to accomplish. And, And I find, yeah, for me, it's just very much about having that all, on paper or in a tool and then powering through it as I go. And I don't really go home at the end of the day without organizing my task list for the next day. Mm -hmm. So I know that I'm not going to wake up and just chase a shiny object and then later be like, oh man, I should have been working on something else with this time because time is so valuable.
1: So you've been your online business. So really there's no borders, but there is, you know, we all know that. I mean, do you see your company expanding you know, significantly into other areas as well as Canada?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, so we're really laser focused on Canada right now, just to make sure that from the, the logistics and supply chain side, we have everything very well worn out, like not worn out, I guess ironed out in this market, which we know the size of very well and things like that. Our next step, which we plan for in 2020, is the U.S. Being online, it it seems like we could just say, hey, we ship to the U.S. now, but we will need to have uh, a warehouse in the U.S. as well, probably a third party. But so we're, you know, hubbing out of the country that we're shipping into since Mm -hmm. we ship both ways. So it's not a matter of just opening it up and saying you can order from the U.S. There's a few things that we need to, to get sorted out. And the U.S. in this market and most markets is 15 times the size of Canada. So that would open a lot of opportunity for us. And we've already had a lot of demand from there, which for now we've just been needing to kind of let rest. Um, we also see a lot of opportunity in Australia and New Zealand. So they're, they're much smaller markets than the U.S., uh, similar to Canada. But what's really interesting about them is – uh, the wedding industry is somewhat seasonal, and Australia and New Zealand have flip seasons to Canada. Yeah, so that's
0: true.
2: No. Yeah, so there's some opportunity there to do some inventory sharing, which mm-hmm. would be really interesting, uh, mm-hmm. since for our business, I mean, one of our most important KPIs is the turns that we get on our inventory. Mm-hmm. So, so there's lots of potential right now. I mean, there's lots of market luck for us to explore in Canada as we get the supply chain ironed out.
1: You've kind of moved around the Southern Ontario technology slash business corridor between Ottawa uh, and KW. What are the biggest benefits for you being an entrepreneur in this sort of Southern Ontario area?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it's huge. We were really born out of Communitech as a company, and and I don't know if I would have, being a first entrepreneur, I don't know if I would have had the... I guess the confidence to to leave my full-time role and do this without some of the support that the programs in this region mm-hmm. were able to provide in the early days. Mm-hmm. So Laurier Launchpad, which was within Communitech, is where it was really born since I was an alumni of Laurier. I was part of that program in the ideation phase. And then we graduated into uh, Fierce Founders, Communitech's Women in Tech Accelerator. So that helped us just get some key mentors and really get things organized as we were raising that first capital and uh, hitting the market. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we launched. And then we were in Velocity for a while as well, which was very, very helpful as we were we were generating revenue and we were doing really well in the business, had ton of potential, but... We didn't yet really have the, I guess, the ability to sign a lease and things like that and the, the capital that we wanted to extend on those types of things. So Velocity kind of helped us in that transition phase. And now, I mean, we're out on our own. I guess we have our own legs now, but being in this region is still so helpful. I mean, uh, it's very attractive to investors. Our, our investors are primarily local. It's, it's been really good. And I guess the other thing is it's been really good for attracting talent. Being in Waterloo or, well, Kitchener, we've got the University of Waterloo, we've got Conestoga College, and we've got a Laurier right here to pull resources from.
1: An interesting one. We do some of our best work outside the office. Is there a place, you know, in KW, Toronto, da-da-da-da, as I said, the Southern Ontario Corridor? Where you like to recharge, you know, where you get somewhere where you go to get inspired to think it through, kind of. Thing.
2: Yeah. So I'm actually uh, I'm a horseback rider, a competitive horseback rider, and I
1: saw that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I was uh, very much into that as a young person. I was on Team Canada on an under-18 team quite a while ago. Slowed down in university a little bit. Kept competing, but was buying and selling horses, as I mentioned early on. So I uh, focused on that. And when I became an entrepreneur, actually, and and I left my well-paid role and I didn't draw a salary for, from the business for the first while, I really thought about, you know, maybe I do need to sell my horse. It's a pretty big expense to have at this time. And I thought about it. It, it, was, a, it was tough. But I came to realize that my best, I guess, epiphanies, if, if you will, came when I was out and doing that. Sometimes I could, you know, sit at my desk all day long and just not come to a conclusion or an answer or come up with a better alternative. But yet, when I go out to the barn and I ride and I kind of do what I love, it's pretty relaxing. That's where I can find some clarity again. So, so I guess I made the decision while I wasn't drawing a salary to keep the horse, and uh, for me, that's where I really find clarity.
1: Cool. So you gave us a sub inkling of this earlier, but I'm always interested to know what your first hour of the day looks like. When do you get up? Do you have a specific routine that sort of kicks you off to start the day kind of thing?
2: Yeah. So uh, so I'll start by saying I need to get better at eating breakfast because that's one that I kind of don't fit in there very well. My alarm's usually set for about 6.30, and I mean, unlike unlike many young women, I don't really take long to get ready to come to the office. I've usually picked out what I'm going to wear the night before because it's very simple. Like, wake up, brush my teeth, wash my face, get dressed, and just get straight here. I like to arrive at the office before everyone else, so I do try to get here by 7 most days. Um, So then I've got kind of an hour just for myself not for myself, but to just make sure uh, my task list is organized and I've gotten the day started on the right foot before the hustle and bustle kind of starts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the very first thing I do when I sit down in my chair at the office is go through my task list and organize it organize it, make sure I didn't miss anything the night before. So then I really feel like, okay, by 8 o'clock or by 7.30, I'm now just working through this there's not really going to be any surprises. And I know about where, like what time I'll be able to finish my day. Uh, so that's, that's really how I get things started. I also, we have something called the daily tracker where the entire team looks at and comments on our most critical KPIs and simple data entry to fill it in. It takes like five minutes each morning and that's something that I've stayed married to and I still fill in every day. I feel like it just gives me like a real, I mean, now that I'm not the one selling anymore and I'm not the one doing the advertising and things like that, just mm-hmm. filling in that daily tracker brings me back down to earth and lets me reflect for a second on how we did the day before and the week before and things like that.
1: Do entrepreneurs have to be weird? You know, are they some <laughs> kind of unique? Are they wired differently? Are they unemployable? I mean, you know, what do you, what do you think?
2: That's an interesting question. I, I certainly don't think we're unemployable, but I do think that we might stand out in an organization, which in some cases is great, and in some cases can be a flaw. Be a flaw because I, I don't know many entrepreneurs will that will keep quiet if they know a better way, or they see something going off the rails, or something like that. But the mm-hmm. the biggest thing I think about entrepreneurs is that they just need to be curious and passionate. Like anyone I know who's a successful entrepreneur wants to learn something new every day, whether it be something about their business or even like a new board game or try a new coffee or just yeah. there's always that pacing after something new or new growth or new development, mm-hmm. which many roles outside of entrepreneurship maybe don't have room for
1: what books are you reading now or listening to and is there any sort of really big ones over the last six months that you would want to recommend to aspiring entrepreneurs
2: yeah so so right now i just cracked it but right now i'm reading uh the power of habit and i started it quite a while ago and didn't uh finish it because something else crossed my desk so i read that instead so now i've picked it up again i've just started it but that one's really interesting to me in terms of what it's about we'll see if i get through it this time um but to speak to like the book that is most important to me or astonishing i guess uh my favorite is the organized mind and it's really just a book about well how i take it is how to get the most out of our brains And I am not necessarily an organized person by nature. I've had to train myself to be that way. And reading the organized mind helped me to learn basically how I can just give brain as much room as possible to be powerful by keeping silly and simple stuff organized.
1: You know, we all as entrepreneurs work really hard, but how do you get that work life balance? You know, where do you relax? How do you not think about work?
2: Firstly, I think I may define work life balance differently than some people do. I don't believe that having work life balance is having a separation between work and life. I do think it's important to, you know, have downtime and things like that, but I I, I'm certainly not somebody that believes that work should end and life should start at a certain time of day or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, just making sure that I still make some time to do the things that I am most passionate about is what's most important. So, going for a walk every evening and often in the morning with my dogs, just having, and my boyfriend, and having time to do that and making time a couple of times a week. I can't do it with my schedule right now as much as I used to, but a couple of times a week to go and see my horse and I ride. I can say you've
1: always got your yeah. riding, so that's going to be a big part of, of your re- relaxation, I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's the biggest one. And I really find at the end of the week if I did it or if I only went once or something, that's when I'm feeling tired and worn thin, whereas just taking an hour and a half, two hours to do that Uh, I mean, I have to stay up an hour and a half, two hours later, it just helps me to really recharge because that's something that I'm so passionate about. But other than that, like, I really think work-life balance is enjoying what you're working at or what you're chasing with your work. And part of balance for me is having that feeling of feeling like I'm learning every day. And since I'm getting that through my work, I don't need me time as much.
1: If, so if you weren't doing what you do now, what profession would you like to do?
2: Well, I think if I wasn't leading bridesmaids or if anything happened that I wasn't anymore, what I would like to be doing and what I really think I would be great at is leading uh, marketing and demand generation somewhere. Uh, that That's not what I lead. Well, I mean, I'm the CEO, so I have a very different hat than that right now. Mm -hmm. But um, I really think marketing is so quantitative quantitative and it changes so fast. Yeah. (laughs) That's what suits me best.
1: Yeah. It's my profession and I love it. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of job wouldn't you like to do? What's definitely.
2: Um, Well, I mean, there was a, there was a time when I was becoming a CA or now a CPA and, I know I would not have lasted there. Okay. I, I was supposed to go to Deloitte after graduating, and I didn't end up going. And <laughs> I'm, I'm really thankful I didn't, and they probably would be too because I don't think <laughs> I would have lasted very long.
1: So in business, you know, what's your favorite word or, or quote or phrase that you like to use, and what's the converse of that? What's the least favorite one?
2: That's, that's an interesting question.
1: Yeah. You could quickly think, what do I say all the time? Mm-hmm. You know.
2: So actually, for my birthday last year, my employees and my business partner had it put on a shirt. Three, I forget two of them, but three words that I say all the time with their real meaning and then the meaning according to me. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that one of them was exceptional. And, and I I stopped using the word exceptional so much for this reason, but I just really feel that we're doing a lot of exciting things. And and our staff is doing some really great work. So my response when I saw something really positive was to always say, wow, that's exceptional.
1: So so what's the least favorite word? Maybe exceptional because you said you stopped using it now. Sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe that's my easy way out of this question. <laughs> I mean, I've slowed down on using it because it was pretty funny when I got that shirt. Like, I, I laughed about it. But then I realized, you know, now I've I've devalued the meaning of the word exceptional because they think I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to use it when something's not – when I'm not really pleased with something. So, I, So I guess maybe exceptional now is – My least favorite are when I catch myself saying it. I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to take it seriously. I need to put (laughs) another really good word in there.
1: If you had to pick one or two words to describe who you are, what would they be?
2: I guess lifelong learner. And I mean, it it sounds like I'm just trying to pick something for, for an interview that sounds good. But that's what made me not want to be in the role that I was in in finance anymore, was that I was like, okay, learned it all. Now what? And I mean, I hadn't learned it all. There were, there were certainly things that I could have gotten better with, but I wanted to move to the next thing. And I and I think that's what shapes me into into an entrepreneur is that I am exhausted if I leave like feeling like I just did administrative stuff all day and I didn't learn anything. Whereas mm-hmm. I could stay here all night mm-hmm. if I felt like I was really learning something.
1: So having speaking about night, what keeps you up at night? Or maybe you don't? Maybe you just go home and you you sleep well every night. I don't know.
2: What keeps me up at night, I'm gonna say, is when I feel a lack of control or like I don't know the reason why something Mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for example, I mean in December, being an e commerce company, it's a lot more competitive to drive traffic Mm -hmm. to to your website. And I was okay with that because I'm like, you know what? It's a lot more competitive. It takes a lot more budget. So I know why we're not um, doing as well as I would have liked to. So I can sleep. But when I when I'm, can't sleep at night is when, for example, we're not driving enough traffic to our website or we're not converting at a level that I want to or something like that, and I have no idea why. And sometimes the why is really bad news uh, to to be blunt, it could be a huge mistake that we've been making, or uh, we poured a bunch of budget in the wrong spot, or something. But when I get that answer, like this is why it hasn't been working, suddenly I'm always able to kind of breathe a sigh of relief and say, okay, I get it, I'm in control now. But when I don't know why, or when I'm still searching for that, that's when I'm, you know, tossing a turning or can't go to bed at night.
1: So you know, you now working and being successful as an entrepreneur. But it's still, you know, reasonably fresh and new to you. Is there any advice that you can pass on to, you know, people like you that are kind of just moving out of that corporate area or at least considering this domain? Is there anything that you can pass on on to entrepreneurs, especially in, you know, the Southern Ontario belt, which is sort of your hood?
2: Yeah, I I think what I would pass on for someone, you know, looking – just to start something is i would pass on the knowledge that it will the problems will seem lesser if they're very stressful at kind of a young company age the problems will seem lesser you'll start to think like oh, i've tackled worse than this before but there always will be stress and there always will be things that keep you up at night i i just it just changes. Your problems change as you grow. Sometimes they're great problems to have, but you still got to tackle them. And I, I wouldn't want anyone to become an entrepreneur because they think they're going to have some increased level of flexibility or that it'll be easier than a, than a corporate job. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways it's harder, but if it's what drives you and you're passionate about solving new problems and things like that, then it's, it's absolutely for you. But I would not want a young entrepreneur to jump into it because they think it's going to be easier or less work than a job elsewhere, if that makes sense.
1: So here we are. This is the, this is the big question. There's a small tropical island just off Fiji that has only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off there. You don't have a computer, a smartphone, tablet, anything like that. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat, and we'll come and pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call, and what would you do while you were there?
2: Oh, my goodness. I I don't even think I would last 30 seconds. (laughs) I actually... My... My parents, I went home for the holidays recently, and yeah. they, they're like, you know, you've been working so hard. You must be exhausted. What we'd like to do for the holidays is an all-inclusive vacation. And, and I think I broke the hearts, but I said, I don't think I want to. Like, I can't imagine myself just laying around. Right now, and so So, I mean, I
1: can't. You're just going to tell us to turn the boat around before we get there. I guess that's what you. Yeah,
2: I'm not even going to make it to the phone. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, there are definitely days. I mean, I think everyone has these days, but there are days when I do just want to have a couple of hours to maybe just watch Netflix and just unplug and do nothing. Right. But a couple of hours. And that's only to recharge for the next thing. Yeah. I couldn't imagine for days. And, and frankly, I, I still keep an eye on the sales. I,
1: I, I understand the motivation, actually.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, yeah, not very long.
1: <laughs> that's kind of, we're kind of coming to an end now. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? And is there anything you'd like to add before we kind of call an end to the interview today?
2: No, uh, I mean, I think that's it. Thank you for having me. It was really an interesting discussion and made me reflect a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, how listeners can get a hold of me would be either by email, it's Mallory, my first name, at bridesmaid, spelled M A D E, dot C A. And I mean, I'd be happy to field any emails or chat. Um, LinkedIn is also a good place. Just mm-hmm. find me by my name, which I imagine will be posted below the interview.
1: Yes, not? it will be, Yes, it will be. Okay. Thank you very much, Mallory. It's been really really interesting, kind of fun fun interview, and uh, thank you all for listening to join podcast on the Can Podcast Network.